Hey there, and thanks for joining us for The Weekly Grind, a podcast where we work out the topics that shape and influence the culture, community, and church of today from a biblical perspective. My name is Ben, here with my pastor and good friendship. He's a lead pastor, and I'm the worship pastor at the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene. Today on the podcast, we're joined by Tara Leahy. She and her husband Rex have been a part of this NAPNAS family for a number of years now, and uh, she joins us to share about their journey in foster care and adoption. So this is The Weekly Grind, and this is Called to Foster. All right, well, what's up, Chip? Hey, how we doing? Good. Uh, I'm excited about today's podcast, as am I usually. But more right. so today because we have a guest with us. We have yeah, a, we love to do interviews. Uh, yeah. I think it's a really good opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, Tara, welcome to the podcast. Hi, guys. Tara Leahy's joining us today, and uh, Tara's story is phenomenal, her, and, her yeah. and Rex's testimony and story. And so, Tara and I were talking the other day, and like, Tara, would you be willing to, to come on and uh, rehash the conversation that we, were, that we had <laughs> in the kitchen? And yeah. so... Um, so she's with us today, and the, the whole idea is um, we're, we're talking, we're having a conversation around uh, fostering and adoption, and bringing kingdom perspective into it, which um, you guys are living every day. Every day. And so we're just <laughs> getting a glimpse into the into into your life, yeah. and and what that looks like. Um, so. Chip, I know we we were talking about just some a biblical perspective on on what that looks like. Yeah, I mean, we, this podcast is a kingdom perspective, right? And you and Rex are the epitome of kingdom values, especially in this world of adoption. Just thinking through Jesus uh, coming, living, and establishing this kingdom, right? The kingdom is now. Uh, I am the kingdom, and as you follow me, you're in the kingdom. And what this kingdom always meant to do from Jesus' first sermon to everything he taught to how his believers lived, how he lived in his believers, is a kingdom of action, right? First John says, we don't live in word, we live in deeds. And one of the most powerful things that happened with the kingdom being established was this idea of adoption. Because in the Roman culture in that first century, um, kids were discarded very easily. Yeah. It was nothing yeah. for a family to have a child and decide after the child was born, eh, not convenient, and they would just discard the yeah. child. It was f- far more barbaric than we're used to now mm-hmm. um, in our culture in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was amazing is first century believers, kingdom people, saw these were obviously marginalized, helpless, and the love of Christ that had come into their life compelled them to take these children in yeah. and adopt them yeah. and give them a home and a life. Mm-hmm. And honestly, if you study the history of Christianity and the kingdom through the years, one of the most powerful, rubber-meets-the-road, tangible acts of love and service by kingdom people was adoption. And it turned the mindset of the Roman people. Uh, these, you know, who are these Jesus people? I'm not mm-hmm. sure what they're about. They say these crazy things. Yeah. It seems like to us they're crazy. But yet, can, can you see what they're doing? Yeah. They're taking our kids into their homes, raising them, giving them a chance. 
And it's a powerful kingdom activity that you guys are continuing to do 2,000 years later, and it still has that amazing impact. And I tell you what, it just magnifies the love of Christ because I know we've we've talked about it. You're that's what motivates you. Oh, hands down. Is yeah. your you know the love that Christ yeah. has given you that <laughs> yeah. your relationship with Him, and you have seen these marginalized people, oh, yes. and your heart has been moved by God, and it's amazing. I mean, it's so cool mm-hmm. to see it firsthand, not just read about it mm-hmm. twenty centuries ago, to see it happening, and so. We just want to talk about it, right? And uh, kind of just listen to your story. Uh, maybe uh, remind us of uh, the opportunities we have with this. If it's not yeah. actually doing it, it's supporting it. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it very well may be somebody out there, God's going to stir their heart to even move this way. And so we just want to give you a chance to to, to share with us and the uh, audience about adoption, about fostering. Yeah, so so really, we just kind of want to back up a little bit from the beginning. Okay. Um, how many years have you and Rex been married? Well, I found out today we licensed in June of 2014. Okay. Oh, how long have we been yeah, married? Yeah. I'm sorry, we, we've been married <laughs> for... I didn't look that up. 13 years. Oh. <laughs> I didn't look that up. You did. I forget already. I hope Rex is watching this. He's got some. He's a dates guy too, so he knows that oh, much yeah. better than I do. One of one of the two yeah. spouses is always the dates first, and the other one is in, yes. in trouble. But okay, so so licensing for for um, foster care, yeah. right? Was when June of 2014. Okay, so wow. take us. Take us back a little bit to the call that God placed on your life okay. to, to, uh, to get to that point. So neither of us started in a family. This was the crazy thing that people did. There's no backstory of we were raised in a family that did this. That's not the case. Yeah. Um, a little bit of adoption in his side here and there, but nobody had done this. This was very much a calling, and I truly believe that. Um, it's kind of a three-folded part um, when I think back and really process it. Um, the first part was we did family really well. We had moved a lot. We didn't have any babysitters. We didn't have grandparents close, and we spent a lot of time with our kids. So we kind of enjoyed sitting around and playing board games and going outside and playing catch, cool. and um, dinner together at the table was normal, and we just did family really well. And I, I realized that that was a gift because for some homes they don't. And we were not raised in families necessarily that that was always a focus. So for us, we were really striving, intentionally striving for that. Um, That was the first part. So after we had our third child, I was kind of sick, and we had talked about um, adopting in the future. And he's like, yeah, okay. (laughs) It kind of blew me off a little. (laughs) And it just kept coming back around. So my my second part in this is um, I had did a little bit of research And I, just like everyone else, you put adoption in the Google search bar and you wait to see what comes up. And and there were kids from all over. And then I realized, and I I stumbled on a site, God sent me right there, um, a photo listing for the state of Ohio. And there's 2,600 kids in Ohio alone who are up for adoption. And there is a photo site and it says, tell me about you. And do you, what kind of music do you like and what kind of things do you enjoy? And then it says at the very bottom, what kind of family do you want? And they say things like, I want a mom who will cook with me or I want a dad who will play ball with me 
or I want somewhere that we can stay together with my siblings. And it's heartbreaking. So of course I went home and showed it to him. And he said, are you crazy? And then I said, just spend some time on it. So I spent months, months following these kids to the point that I knew this website pretty well. <laughs> so there were a set of three siblings, a set of twins and then their sibling. And then they went from being a set of three siblings on the page to a set of two. The twins were one and the sibling was separated. And then they went to a set of all three separate kids. So I didn't know anything about it at this point, but I knew that things were happening in their life that was causing these children to no longer be able to be together. And it was just heartbreaking. Um, I went back to him, I said, I wanna have a serious conversation about this. Um, and he's like, well, what do you have now? And I, I was like, I don't wanna talk about a big world adoption. I wanna talk about here in Ohio. I wanna talk about that. I said, okay, we did some research and then we got promoted and moved to North Carolina. And so we started again. Started all over, pre-licensed, got done, completely done. Licenses in the mail. We're excited. We're ready. We get promoted back to Ohio. So we move back to Ohio. Find out everything we've done. None of it matters. Oh, I mean, so are you, so so are you financially tied I, into these uh, kind of what, well, what training point? hours, I guess, at this point. We've done That's at this point fun. like hours and hours of training. Oh, my goodness. Hours and yeah. hours of training. So we're back here starting again. Find out. Well, we get to keep our CPR. That's nice. Okay. But we're starting again. <laughs> yeah. And we're starting back in Ohio. So, And I really thought when I found out nothing was going to transfer, that was going to be like the dead end of it. I thought as soon as I had to call him and tell him and yeah. like we we're going to have to start all over, he was going to be like, you know, this isn't it. And he literally was like, well, at least we know what we're going to study. Let's get it done. Yeah. So we got through Ohio's training in about nine months, nine or ten months, because there's a long list. There's a lot of hours, a lot of weekends, a, a lot you have to put into just being licensed. Yeah. So that was kind of our third fold was just like we kept kind of, but we knew we were supposed to do it. So that at kinda this point, the yeah. the that you needed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like <laughs> yeah. that's kind of where we started. So that was kind of the beginning of the story um, in in. in how it happened okay. and in Ohio our, we actually got a placement before we got our official license so they called me with a kid and I said I don't actually I'm not licensed and they said we'll have it to you by the end of the day can we email it <laughs> I was like oh, well. sure okay so yeah it was kind of the beginning of it all okay yeah and so uh so what happened then you have your first placement. We have our first placement. We have the number what one was that placement. Like? oh it was okay so this is such a Oh, I look back and man, I've learned so much now. In the beginning, you just don't know. And you're excited. Yeah. But now you, I realize this, this is not an exciting moment. This is a heart-wrenching, horrific moment in a child's life. You're excited because you've done a lot of work to get here. You've trained a lot and you've prayed a lot and you're confident and you've hung up all the exit signs and checked all the fire extinguishers and talked to your kids to the point that you're blue in the face and yeah. they just don't want to hear it anymore. And you're, you're excited. And then a kid comes in whose life is devastated and ruined and they're upset and they're hurting and you realize, oh, game on. Nothing you trained on is going to prepare you for what happens next. And that feeling doesn't go away, even today. Even today when I get mm -hmm. a place, the, yeah. like a place, but that feeling of, oh, here we go. Because every single situation has been completely different. Yeah. You know, it's amazing to me because you guys are in our church. Just the, the energy that you guys have to do this and the different placements. And then just talk about how, how many placements have you had and the adoption side. Yeah. I mean, 
just for me personally, um, the adoption that you've done is just a, a joy in even my life. You know, I've, we were just talking about Tia. Yeah, she's, she's so much, she's fun. So much fun. Like, um, <laughs> so fun. just, uh, but just yeah. talk about from that first one to now, what, what, what are the numbers? Cause you guys have been. Yeah. So I don't have, this is when somebody comes to my house, I write their name down on an, I open an app up on my phone. I have a notes app and I just write their name and I counted them up before I came in and we're at about 98. 98. Um, but that does not mean that doesn't mean they stayed with us for any amount of time. They could have came. I had a little boy for a couple of yep. hours once I had a look, some kids for the weekend. I have, I do a lot of respite. I help out other foster parents because when you need some time away, somebody needs to help out and we're hanging out doing home things. They can come here because you, we have to help each other. We're a community. Yeah. Um, but I've had kids that have lived with me for years. I have some that are still there <laughs> and will be there forever. So it's a big number, but it's also like a very big picture. It's not a just, they haven't all been there for a serious long a time. We have adopted three times out of this. Um, we adopted a teen set that we didn't know we were going to adopt. And then we adopted a little boy who's three now who is just amazing joy and go, go, go every moment of every day. And yeah, very different situations though, very different experiences. Adopting teenagers um, was a whole different ballgame than adopting a little person. So I wouldn't say it's harder. Again, we didn't go into this with a mindset. I mean, we enjoyed the idea that yes, we would adopt if it came, but we, we weren't that wasn't the reason we started, um, but it is what God led us to for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so take us through. Um, yeah, this is a roller coaster. This is a roller coaster. Yeah, and two very different roller coasters with the adoptions. Very different situations. And so, what are some of the greatest victories that you've seen God bring into the lives of these kids and uh, and you? And, and, and you guys personally. Well, and hands down. Yeah, hands down. It, this has always been about the growth that we've seen. Um, we we have seen things I never, our benefits are so huge. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was thinking back to our original cause. There, There's one person who said something to me a long time ago, and it wasn't said in niceness. It was actually said very rudely, and it really bothered me, but I think it, it changed the our, our entire path. It was the bend in the road for us. We had great kids. They were they were going back just a little bit. They were homeschooled, not because we had some great theory in it. We lived in small town USA, and we moved to a city, and the city was scary. And I didn't want to send my kids to city school. We had prayed about it, anyways. We end up homeschooling. We move around. That works. And a lady said, "You're never going to teach your kids anything when they just sit in your walls." And I remember thinking, "It's true. How am I going to raise children that are going to be disciples and and love on people?" If the only person they ever get to hang out with is their mom. <laughs> and not that that was bad. It wasn't a hit against education or the, even the church. It was, how am I going to teach them to have eyes to see things that we don't see? And that was, for us, a major part of fostering. So I, I do want to go back to that because I, I remember that was something that I, I want to make sure, like, we can live very comfortably and not see what's going on around us. Yeah. We have to be intentional. So we had to be intentional in teaching um, people to see and the people around us that that goes outside of even my children and our family around us and whatnot so yes very different roller coasters um seeing kids differently all of that I couldn't have forgot what you said sorry hmm. no I just yeah I just wanted to, <coughs> to I just wanted yeah you to share some of the victories and oh the some victories of the, yeah. oh yes the victories so oh, 
Tim and Tia's adoption was not always hasn't always been easy. It hasn't been um, a great one, but I will say it was very. We had been praying. Every group I'd been a part of, the church had been praying for parents for them. I think God has a hilarious sense of humor. And the moment <laughs> they came in, and they were actually, and, and the kids know this. This isn't a big secret. We, they were going to move them to a different family. It was a long ways away, and it wasn't going to be in their best interest. And um, and we truly believe that. And um, I looked at my husband, and he looked at me. He goes, we need to talk in the garage. We have a whole caseworkers. We have like three of them sitting around the table. We stand up. We walk in the garage. He says, is this our first adoption? I was like, yep. We walked back in, and we were like, we changed our minds. We'd like to adopt them. And it was just very like, let us talk to the kids now. And a moment that came around that was just right in front of us that we literally yeah. did not see until it slammed us in the face. Yeah. And then from there, their adoption was um, was amazing. So yeah. a good story of I just think of te- all the teens. Of the 2,600 in Ohio, there's a th- over 1,000 of them that are, that are teens that are just looking for a place, a mom Which and a dad. Which can be a scary to, to a perspective. Oh! Um, foster family. Yeah. Well, I would prefer it. To, I will tell you, after six years, I'll take teens over little bitties. Yeah. I love really? little really? bitties. Don't get me wrong. But you can hold your own with the teens, oh, too. Oh, <laughs> I like my... T- you know, teens have really good things, but you can explain hope to teens. Yeah. You can yeah, sit down and yeah. you can explain trauma and you can talk about w- where they can go from there and this how this can affect their life and you can mm-hmm. you can have hard conversations. Those pains are very real in little people. And you and you can't explain that like that. All you can do is hold them and love them and let them cry. And yeah. it is heart-wrenching to sit and have little people cry and you trying to explain to them but they don't get it. Yeah. With teens, you can have a conversation that maybe cognitively they can they can maybe find some relief in that and understanding. Well, and even more than cognitively, you know, I've I've learned even with just kind of helping out with with our students here, the language they speak is authenticity. Oh, hands down. And if you are authentically real and yeah. just trying, like, you don't have an agenda. You're mm-hmm. not trying to fulfill some quota of I just want to do this because I think you're going to complete our family or whatever, if yeah. you're just, no, I just, here's what I have to offer. Take That's it, or it. Leave it. And <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy the way that, that teens respond to authenticity. Well, they can think that they have, they have perspective. That's just mind blowing that even yeah. we don't see that. And when you are able to turn the, the feelings down just a little bit and turn the thinking up just a little bit, you're able to really grasp that and have some amazing conversations. And that's why they have big problems. I'm not saying there's not some big, big problems. Um, but, but there's hope with those problems. Yeah. And it doesn't just feel like an, a never-ending crying mm-hmm. of hurt. Because that wears on you after a while. Yeah. And it's hard. Sure. sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we wouldn't want to ever, you know, present this idea that fostering and adoption is is a, a cakewalk. Yeah. No. There is well, <laughs> no. the, the bad and the, even the ugly. Yes, yes. But I, I think probably you would say the reward oh, and yeah. the fulfillment you get from following God's call, yeah. but also seeing the victories mm-hmm. and the change mm-hmm. and kids who were hopeless become hopeful yeah. and kids who were bound by you know, despair and just to all of a sudden breathe again, hope yeah. and life. There's nothing like that, is there? It, it, it's, you know, to me, it'll be the, it'll be watching a kid come in who's lived in my home, who's 
you know, walks in the church and they're praising and, and worshiping or, um, you know, I, every single time we do baptisms, I'm, I'm a mess, That wrecks me. but you want to watch a child who I know has fought to get to a place where they're, where they're coming in, into the kingdom and they're, they're baptizing and like, yeah, I'm, I'm the one in the back row who's probably excusing herself because she's going to be hysterically bawling. <laughs> a little uh, a little inside scoop to the service planning portion of baptism services. Um, that's when usually I, I dump the authority card on Sarah and make her lead whatever song we're doing <laughs> yeah, during baptisms because I usually yeah. just can't handle it. And no. It's just, it's just yes. so cool to see what God's done, um, where he's taken. Because, I mean, yeah. so oh, it's just good. It is good stuff. And it's that it's that internal, like, this is this is good. And and you know, there's been times that they've walked out of our home and they've gone back into situations that maybe weren't perfect, but they're seeds. Yeah. And I yeah. I know that. I believe that in my heart. If I didn't, I don't know if I would be able to do as much as we do or what we do. But that's all we're called to that's, do. Exactly. That's it. Yeah. Like knowing that they they've seen things, they've been a part of things, it's yep. there, it's gonna grow. And knowing yeah. you may never see the fruit of that of yeah. your labor. But but knowing that you you were obedient to mm-hmm. what God is calling you to do, and yeah. you gave them a picture of family so of love um, that you know what they I guarantee you I I, I don't know what that number is, yeah. but there will be some that will be so moved by that that they're yeah. gonna break the cycle yeah. of Hands dysfunction yeah. that maybe has existed in their family's lives because they saw a picture. Yeah. Uh, they, uh, they, they tasted the it, they felt it, they they were there. And it's the simple things. I have had so many kids who are like, you eat dinner together as a family? Uh, yep, not every night. My kids will be listening going, nah, but <laughs> more than not. Like yeah. We, yeah. we cook together, we have a family time, we, we're going to talk about their days and yeah. good things and bad things and things they've noticed. And you're, you talk to us? Like they're not used to that. And this is not something that is different than anything we would do, even if it was our own children around that table. So that it's very intentional in, in a way now, but it really just is our family living life. Yeah. 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 So we've got a number of families in our church, actually. We do. That, uh, that are part of, uh, that, that foster Mm -hmm. and then, um, some that adopt. Yeah. Some that do a little bit of both like you. Yeah. what would you say to someone listening today? Um, you know, maybe they felt a tug in their mm-hmm. spirit to towards this, towards uh, fostering or adopting or both. Um, but but what they felt is the call of God. Mm-hmm. Um, what what kind of encouraging words would you give them? And um, maybe pray and maybe hold some, on. No, <laughs> maybe <laughs> some realistic <laughs> words. Real- as I was going to say. Okay, the realistic <laughs> words. Everybody in the foster. I will laugh with these two points. Everybody in the fostering world. After you've done this for a couple of placements, you realize you have you you lack two things. You lack a big enough, bigger kitchen table. You need a bigger kitchen table. Hands down, your dining room table it's is good not big enough. It's a, good. And your car is not large enough. We do not all drive vans. I drive a minivan, but I don't drive a big, huge, big van. But not everybody has to do that. I have heard that. I can't foster. I don't want to drive a big van. You do not have to drive a big van. Mia showed up in an SUV bigger than my truck yesterday, <laughs> your, your, one does. of your daughters. She does drive <laughs> one, yes. That? It looked like the FBI. <laughs> yes, they both do. Yeah. Look, oh, no, that's a lady. They're just driving just their people SUVs. movers around. But they don't look like, yeah. Anyways, you don't, yeah, there's that. The other thing is you do, I guess, 
this is a two-sided. It's amazing, but you have to be at a good place. Um, yeah. If you can't do this, if you've got pain that you haven't dealt with, that's good. That's if you good. have infertility that you just can't get through, um, and it, you would never intentionally cause harm, but foster care is a reunification plan. Most of our kids have families who are needing help. Our job is to keep them safe while other people get the services that they need, get the help that they need so they can get their kids back. Say that one more time because that was good. Your job is your as job a foster is to keep them safe while everyone else can get the help that they need and get to a place that they can, they can provide that safety for them. I have never, ever met a parent who did not love their child. Plain and simple. The hardest thing I do as a foster parent is not bring children into my home. The hardest thing I do as a foster parent is sit with moms who are shaming and crying and bawling, cannot believe they're in this situation, heart-wrecked that their kid is going home with me tonight because they can't get, they can't do enough. They can't fight this addiction just by wanting it to be gone. They love their children. They want what's good for their children. They want what's best for their children. Um, but that's the hardest thing I do is dealing with that shame and that guilt and that pain that the parents are feeling. So when you can come beside them and you can say, clear them of like, I'm not here to take your kids. I'm going to love on them. We are going to keep them safe. We are going to eat dinner and play games and go to church and have fun. And you are going to focus on doing what you need to do. And when you're ready, they're going to be here. And you're all going to be able to get back together healthier. When you can come aside, if you have your own agenda in the background, you can't do that. And that's not fair. That's a good point because you go from, I need to, I need something in my life to fill me up to I'm overflowing. And so you're truly a giver. Yeah. Yeah, It's not like you're trying to fill some hole. No, it's, it's out of the abundance of, of love that I have to give that I'm actually giving. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. And and I can sit back. Now, that being said, we, we have adopted three times. We never walked into it with adoption, um, the two and then the one. Um, but that was even a conversation that was the most um, profound one I think I've ever had in my life when a mother said, I can't do this, but I love them enough to say, you're the best. Can you do this for me? Can you take him on? Will you make sure he knows I love him? Will you make sure he knows I tried? And, yeah. and you... It is the most emotional um, moment to to in responsibility to have from another mom looking at another mom and saying, I, "This I love him, but I can't do this." Yeah. So our our parents fight very hard against um, society and against people who are shaming them. And nobody brags about losing their children. They hide and they hurt. And yet we're like, you need to go do this, and you need to go do this, and you need help here, and you need... But they're they're beaten, and they're mm-hmm. down, and it takes somebody coming beside them and saying, no, 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 you're going to get up today. You're going to meet therapy. Yeah. You know, so-and-so is going to be there to meet you. He's looking yeah. forward to it. Tell me you'll be there. Right. Because the last thing I want to do is have a conversation that you didn't show up today. I need you to tell me this yeah. morning on the phone that you're going to be there this evening so I can assure him that you're going to be there. So you're not only coaching and, and teaching kids, you're, I mean, it's the parents as oh, well yeah. that you're trying to equip and build up and encourage Yeah, that's in the process. Because when they, when they, when it works and it, and it, and it works the way it's intended, it is amazing. 
there is nothing more celebrated than kids going home. Mm. It is party night. It is um, excitement. Yeah, we're packing up and cleaning up, but we are excited about where you're going and what's next. Cool. The fulfillment of having yeah, done, we did it. done your role. Yeah, we did Fulfilled your role. And then them calling even later, like, you know me well enough at this point. You're going to call up and be like, hey, I'm dealing with this and this. What should I do? We're, I'm here for you. Yeah. I have parents still call me all the time. Like, what are we doing here? And if you have the minds or if you have the reality that this is an outflow yeah. of God's love in your life and it's an overflow, mm-hmm. then you have the ability to fulfill a role for a child, bring them to a point where they re, are reunified. Mm-hmm. Um, can continue to be there and yet still have the capacity to do it again. Yeah, yeah. well, right? that, that is where God really steps in, and, and that's where you can get um, kind of a bad name in what you do in, in fostering. You look at our numbers and people just... What everyone knows about fostering is what they've learned from the movies. So I would say if you're going to learn it from the movies, let me point you to a couple of movies that maybe will show you the right version. So is I, Instant Family a good one? I th- because they found their way in yes. the process. I will tell you, I there it's gotten a lot of backlash. I just across watched the that world, and I was though. Like three we do. Times. So it let me so tell powerful. let me tell you first off, they said the little where they get together and there's kids and you go and meet them. Yeah, yeah. that really happens. Yeah. It happens in the state of Ohio regularly. Let me also say there are orphanages in Ohio. We call them by different names, but that is a real thing still to this day. Um not knowing if you can do it and having um bigger kids parenting little kids. Oh yeah. That's all very true. Yeah. Taking timeouts with your spouse to go to the other room to go, oh, we can't do that. Yep, that's that's life. That's mm-hmm. very true. Mm-hmm. And then the moment when somebody, well, he, in their moment, he got called dad and the mom. Yeah. And like the, but the mo- moment where like they're just part of yours. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't always look like that. Um, yeah. But whatever that looks like. What's another movie? Yeah. What's another? <clears throat> There's not very many. That's the problem. Instant yeah. Family was the one I was thinking okay. of yeah, because it I just, just got a lot of... I hadn't talked to you before the podcast. So I'm like, she's going to probably hate this movie. And I thought, it's <laughs> oh, <laughs> great. I, you know but what? they did. They found their way and, and they really discovered, oh, this is what it's about. It, because yeah. I think they got into it out of lack. Uh-huh. But then, um, but they really saw what they were able to give. Yeah. And, and towards the end, and it was just so powerful when they were fighting for the kids and just... Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's it, it was movie. it was you a good modern day show to something that was. I picked a kid up once who's like, "Are the, how many cats do you have?" And she was crying in a mess, and I was like, "We have one." But in her world, she had watched a movie where there are hundreds of cats in a foster home, and <laughs> oh. like, there's we get so much bad press that I every once in a while want to say, "Can you can you give some good numbers out there?" Yeah. Can you just give some good numbers of something great going on? Is it like Angels in the Outfield or something about a foster child? Do you remember that movie? It's an old no. one. I watched no. it when I was little. <laughs> it's a baseball movie. That's yeah, that's I why I didn't watch it. <laughs> you didn't know that? I mean, I recognize the name, but I don't remember that movie. Yeah. Okay. We'll have Anyways, to watch it later to go see. Go check it out. Let us know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> leave, a, leave a comment. Okay, so anything else that you want to... I mean, this is this is all great stuff. Oh. I think we could go for another hour. Yeah, no, that, that well, that's but, what I was thinking. What are the important things to know is if you want to do this, um, you need to pray. You need to pray. I'm not saying that if you have had trauma in your life or issues, you can't be foster parents. Actually, you make the best parents. People who have fought through things and can relate to kids who haven't had a great, make good parents, make great foster parents. You do not have to be married. You, do, you can be single. In the state of Ohio, Ohio, you have to be 21. You can rent. You can own, an, um, own your house. There's no 
Um, a lot of people say, I can't do it because of this or that. Or they're, they're, It's a lot more open than you realize. They're really looking for people who will um, just really give kids love and be intentional in helping them get home. Or if that doesn't work, helping them find a permanent place that they can call theirs. Um, not everybody fosters, not everybody wants to foster. There's, I was thinking about this today. We have our agency, I work for Adriel. Um, I work for, I guess I place through. Um, I don't place with Henry County Direct or any local county. I, I place with, I can place with any county. I have all different counties in my home. Um, and that allows for us to do some other fun things with family coaching, supervising visits, um, family preservation, families that are just struggling. Um, adopting grandparents where you just come and hang out with kids and do take them for ice cream and they don't have mm. anyone picking them up and saying hey let's go to the ball field that's not just us you can do something like that so there's so many ways I know locally we have a phenomenal CASA program those are the court appointed special advocates mm -hmm. um, you come alongside us in the agency and the courts and you just be a, another set of eyes Mm -hmm. who who isn't tied to any agency and, or any part and just kind of look at the full overall picture and, and give a report. And those eyes are crucial, especially if a child's been through numerous placements. Sometimes you're the only consistency. Caseworkers average five years. So the kids go through numerous, could go through numerous caseworkers in their time and care. They could go through different families just because of things happening in families themselves. Sometimes that other person is the only person that's been consistent. Um, I do want to say, I said five years is their lifespan. Foster care really is down to about top a two-year permanency. We want to see kids at the one-year mark, kind of. We want to see parents. This isn't a, you don't get to stay in foster care for eight, nine, ten years like you used to. That's not part of what okay. the state has worked really hard. At, at the one-year plan, we need to figure out what we're doing. So you have some time, and if you haven't done your services, you need to kick it into gear. And then if that's not done by two years, then they're going to be looking at Adoption. Yeah, they're going to be looking at other alternatives for permanency for kids. And mm -hmm. at the one-year plan, they start to talk about what that second plan will be. And hmm. and so we don't see kids sitting nearly as long as they used to sit. But, you know, in those two years, a lot can happen. That's not their fault. They could change homes. Um, I know a couple yeah. who had to change homes based on her health issues. So that had nothing to do with the kids. Yeah. 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 So... Um, just one last thing. Where mm -hmm. can people go to learn more? What's a good resource did you point them to? I would say, you know, Adriel is amazing. They have an orientation class where you can just go to get more information. Maybe spell it. Spell it for people. A D R I E L. Right. I E L. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you can look, go right on there, and you can learn about the we different put training it on classes. The yep. Podcast, yep. We, we can put them on yeah. the resources and, and the res yep. and the preservation, the family preservation, and and then you know the other thing is talk to us. We we are we are monkeys. With, we have circuses, and we are carrying our monkeys around, and we look like it, but we love what we do. Yeah. And talk to a foster parent and say, "Hey, I want to I want to know more because we are looking for a reason to go out for coffee, even when we don't drink coffee, <laughs> and we love to share our hearts in it." And I haven't yeah. none that I can think of would tell you no to that. Yeah. So have a conversation. We'd love right. to tell you about the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's amazing to watch you guys sense the call of God. Mm -hmm. Uh, work through that call, but it becoming clear to you. Oh, yeah. And then experiencing the fulfillment that comes from God's call in your life. And that's what's continuing to sustain you, no doubt, is 
this is what God wants to do with me. Well, I keep saying, at any time you can show me something else, <laughs> I, I, I do. But I feel like I have a knowledge. I have this vision. Yeah. I can see this. And, yeah. and with it has a responsibility. So until he shows me another way to take that vision and, and, yeah. and, that, and help, I guess this is what we're doing. It's awesome. <laughs> so. It's awesome. What do you think about praying for Tara sure. and all, all the families? Sure. As we end. Let's pray. Uh, our Father, we're so grateful for your love and grace and what you've done in our lives and how you call us to spread that, to share that, to uh, bring that into as many lives as possible. And one of the most powerful ways is through fostering and adoption, Lord. And Lord, we're so grateful for uh, couples like Rex and Tara who are shining lights uh, in a world that is so dysfunctional. And Lord, we just thank you for their, their ministry, Lord, their consistency, their, their <clears throat> passion for this, Lord. And in these moments as we end this podcast, we just would pray over them that you would continue to sustain them and strengthen them, Father. Continue to give them the grace that's necessary to pour into life after life after life. Be with their family, Lord, as, as the kids have embraced this and have made this their ministry also. Would you bless them, I pray, in just powerful ways and favor them, we ask, Father. And Lord, for that one or that couple or someone who's listening who you've already maybe begun to tug at their heart about this, uh, Lord, would you just continue to speak to them and may they open their hearts to this call. If you're placing it on them and if you've called them, then you are going to give them all the resources that they need to be able to do this. And they are going to experience a life that is abundant, Lord. And they're going to sit one day like Tara does and just marvel at how God has already used her. With 98 kids, you know, they're going to have those, those moments of just blessing and fulfillment. And so, Lord, if you're calling, then you're going to resource. You're going to empower Help them to know that. Keep them open to your call, I pray. May all of us have a kingdom mindset to look out for the marginalized as you did. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, thanks for engaging with us in this week's episode of The Weekly Grind as we tackle the topics of today from a biblical perspective. If you found today's topic or any episode valuable to you and your growth, it'd mean a lot to us if you would leave us a comment. And don't forget to subscribe to stay caught up on every episode of the Weekly Grind podcast. Thanks so much, and we will see you next time.